Today on Locked On Canadians, are we wrong about David Savard? Have we been wrong this whole time about Jonathan Drouet? And am I wrong about Josh Anderson? All of that is coming up in just one moment. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to episode 613 of Locked On Canadians. This is one of two episodes that we will have on Wednesday. Just a programming note, we are recording this before we know what position that the Canadians will be picking in. The draft lottery is happening after we record this. So you're getting a special bonus episode that was a live reaction to uh, to the news. Uh, my name is Laura Saba. I'm one of your hosts, also known as the Active Stick. And I'm normally joined by Scott Matlove, Habs Eyes on the Prize. But Scott is off this week. So I have a special guest joining me for one of two episodes. So I'm very, very excited. Andrew Berkshire is here. Andrew, you have you host Game Over Montreal. You host Crosscheck NHL. You write for the Gazette. Is there anything you don't do? Um, host this show, I guess. Usually, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talk about other teams. Uh, a lot of talk about the Montreal Canadiens this year for me after five years of not that much. Right, you because you were covering all kinds of analytics and things like that. So. One of the reasons that I wanted to have you on was because I think as a fan base, sometimes we can get really, really caught up in narratives about certain players. Uh, and we are in our season review kind of portion of our content in the off offseason. Uh, and I wanted to bring up specific players because I know that you've done a lot of sort of research and analysis. Uh, you've, you've written about it for the Montreal Gazette. Uh, and, and I think there are three players that I feel like a couple of them are a little bit more controversial than others. Uh, David Savard, people were talking about the signing being a bad one. Uh, Jonathan Drouet, fans seem to really love to run him out of town. And uh, Josh Anderson, who, you know, we enjoy watching, but um, I think that sometimes it's it's important to note that he has a limited, uh, I guess, He's limited in what he brings to the team. I don't, I don't, you know, I love Josh Anderson. Anybody who's listened to this podcast will know he's one of my favorite players on this team. He's enjoyable to watch. But what is he really bringing to the team is the big question. So maybe let's start with the with David Savard. I think that that was one where even early on in the season, I would be watching Game Over and I would see you say good things about him. And I would be like, why am I not seeing the same thing on the ice? Like, I feel like he's a lot better than what people think he is. In certain respects, I think that David Savard is a a hole or a plug for a specific hole, we'll say. And that hole should be your sixth defenseman slot, maybe seventh defenseman slot, if you really need somebody to come in and be a shutdown defenseman. And the Canadians instead decided to play him top four minutes. And this year, frankly, he got eviscerated uh, on the defensive side of the puck, especially. And strangely... For whatever reason, I don't know if it was putting on that Montreal Canadiens jersey or what, but he has one move in the offensive zone and nobody can stop it. It's that quick shift to the backhand and drive the net. And <laughs> he was very successful with it this year. Like very oddly, he was better offensively this year than defensively. And a big shift there happened. He started to pull those moves a lot more often under Marty St. Louis and his defense suffered a little bit, but 
it's interesting to see him diversify his game a little bit as the season goes on. The thing is, he, he just he is not fit for the role he's been given. And the one thing I will say about David Savard is he did one thing decently well this year, and that was kill penalties. Uh, it was something that the Canadians struggled with overall. But him and Romanov on the PK, very, very strong. Him and Romanov at even strength together. No, <laughs> just don't do it. It, <laughs> it was a black work. hole. It was. Yes, it was very bad. There's not a lot of great things that we can say about David Savard overall. I think he deserves a chance to try to redeem himself from this year because early in the season, his play was actually pretty solid. It's just that he struggles containing speed off the rush. That's like his one weakness. And it was where Ducharme's Canadians were especially awful. Uh, was allowing teams to gain speed through the neutral zone and attack off the rush. And that just really killed him. But overall, his numbers were okay. But he was killed off the rush, and none of the goalies behind him were, were stopping pucks while he was on the ice. Like, right. absolutely brutal save percentage, like 82% or something through the first 30 or so games. It was unbelievable, unprecedented, bad goaltending behind him. So that really put him out there as somebody to focus on and say, this guy sucks. He's the worst when really he's not great, but he has specific things that he can do most of the time that we never really were able to see this season. Cause I think once things go against you for a certain amount of time, if you're a guy like Savard who doesn't bring a lot in other areas of the game, you kind of just slump your shoulders. Right. And then you don't have the confidence to do what you're good at either. And maybe you start having that self-doubt that you're not a real player anymore. You, you don't belong in this league. And it seemed like through the middle of the season, Savard had that a little bit. He just didn't have any mojo, right? And right. maybe things change a little bit beginning next season. But it, he's one of those guys where I see him as a stopgap measure until guys like Caden Gooley, jo uh, Justin Barron, and uh, Jordan Harris are ready to be full-time players. Is that next year? I don't know. But either way, he just can't, he can't play in the top four. That's like the main thing. Right. And and I think that's part of it is that when he came on, it was a time where they lost the defenseman that, that usually played the most minutes, right? And somebody who was a defensive defenseman, especially in the latter half of his career, something that surprised me a lot actually is, is you weren't the first person who said that he got a lot better offensively than defensively this year on our literally our yesterday our episode yesterday it was primarily focused on Caden Primo and Samuel Montembeau but Dylan Wall was talking about how David Savard is more impressive uh offensively than people thought right and and you know we've got friends that follow like let's say the Columbus Blue Jackets that, that said the same thing I was very very surprised by that because in my mind like the way that the the signing was sort of talked about was he's here to eat up minutes and in yeah. my mind a guy that's here to eat up minutes is like a bench rot style player but that's not what his strength is and so um, before we move on real quick, like I think that, the, you know, there's a lot of questions about defense on this team still. And going forward, it's going to be a key storyline in the next couple of years as the Canadians try to build a, you know, a good team out of what they've got. What do you do with David Savard next year if you can't trade him? I, I think you play him on the third pairing. You give him a partner that can move the puck. And you hope for the best, pretty much. <laughs> like it, it's such a strange situation with Savard because you, you look at like his player cards, for example, or like his past uh, analytics, right? And going into 
last season, he was like, uh, let's see here. I think he was like 95th percentile defensively the last three years. That Like, that's incredible. But literally the worst offensive impact in the entire league among defensemen. Oh, wow. So, like, what does that equate to, right? And what it equates to is in, in terms of raw goal difference at even strength, I believe he was third worst in the entire league over the last three years coming into this one. Okay. So part of it has to lay at the feet of Bergevin, right? Like David Savard has a very specific skill set. Bergevin values that skill set. But what does a player bring outside of that skill set that allows them to be a complete player? And Savard never really had that. But this year was such a reverse. Like this year, he had some of the worst defensive numbers. <laughs> Like fourth percentile in defensive numbers from 95th the last three years to fourth. And then he went up to 30th percentile in offense, which, you know, isn't great. It's not great. <laughs> but it's better than nothing. It's better than, yes. you know, third worst in the league. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder if because David Savard was an offensive defenseman when he came into the league, right? Like he was he had that Savardian spinorama was part of his repertoire. He was an offensive player in junior. And then the way that he could stick around the league was to hunker down defensively. I wonder if as things went completely off kilter for him defensively, if he realized in order to justify his presence, he had to try to push things offensively and in doing that created some offense, but also it hurt his defense worse. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that's very understandable. And I think, you know, one of the things that uh, I, I hope that the new Canadians front office values is complete players instead of trying to find a specific player that fits a specific hole because that also went wrong with Mike Hoffman right like they're like we brought him in for for power play uh and that's a specific role but he didn't bring anything else when things went awry and so we're gonna we're gonna move on to Jonathan Duran because we don't want to spend too much time on Mike Hoffman today uh we we spent a lot of time you know knocking his game on this show and in just one moment we're gonna talk about Jonathan Duran are we as a market wrong about Jonathan Duran and that's coming up in just one moment but first remember that rockauto.com is the only place you should be looking for all of your auto parts needs if you go to a big chain store this literally happened to me before christmas i went to a chain store my check engine light went on and i needed i can't even remember what was it, an oxygen sensor is i think what it is i don't really know all that much about cars uh but i knew that, that that's what it was and i went to a chain store and they quoted me a price that when I went in Rock Auto was a literal quarter of the price. So if you go to rockauto.com, they have every single car, make, model, and year. All you have to do is use the really easy to use drop down catalog. You can even choose your own price when you order parts and accessories for your car. They've got, they've even got classic car models on there. And it's so, so, so easy to use. And best of all, you pay the same price that a professional mechanic would pay. There's no markup because you're just a regular person, not a professional. And after all of that, it gets delivered directly to your door. How easy is that? And I can tell you from experience, a quarter of the price. It's really a no-brainer. You can literally pull your phone out of your pocket right now and get all your car parts needs taken care of. Go to rockauto.com and do not forget to, to tell them that Locked On sent you in their How Did You Hear About Us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com All right, let's talk about Jonathan Drouet. I love Jonathan Drouet. Uh the market as a whole does not. 
I I think part of the part of the reason that people kind of knock Jonathan Duran is what he was traded for and where he was picked. Yeah. I think that that kind of victimizes him because I feel like if that context did not exist, and part of it is also just being like a hometown player, right? If that context did not exist, I feel like Jonathan Duran would be a much more loved player in this market. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. Duran. I mean, just the expectations that were put on him when he was uh, brought here via trade, not only for what Sergachev represented for the organization, which was a Markov replacement, right? That was essentially how everyone was looking at him. So, and they still have failed to replace Markov uh, years later. So there's that, but also he was the great French Canadian hope, right? And you had many members of the media that I won't name, that talked him up as, oh, he's definitely going to be a center. He can play center because he played center as a 19-year-old in junior when he was way too skilled to be in junior. While he was also, I believe, playing with Nikolai Ehlers, who is a significantly better player than Jonathan Mm -hmm. Duran. But despite all that, Jonathan Duran is making a reasonable amount of money for the player that he is. Does he have faults? 100%. There, there are legitimate reasons why people don't like Jonathan Duran's play. His defensive play, even this year where he was pretty improved, was not great. Uh, he overall, if you look at like his expected results this season, he was still one of the worst forwards on the team. However, the Canadians have also consistently failed to get Duran with players that fit his skill set. Right. He's a player that likes to operate around the perimeter, not because he's soft, but because that's where he feels he can make those incisive passes through the middle. But they don't get anybody really with him that drives the nets that also has like a bit of uh, responsible defensive play with him. Like early this season, they stuck him with Josh Anderson and Christian Dvorak, neither of whom are great defensively. And like Anderson drives the net when he has the puck but he doesn't really have the skill set of keeping his stick open in an, a way to accept a pass. And he doesn't really have like a one timer, if you know what I mean. And Dvorak is a guy who can tip pucks and like be in front of the net and smack them in. But he's not really a guy that operates well off the cycle for the most part, unless his job is just at the net front or in the bumper spot. So Dren has consistently been stuck with having to carry the puck all the time. When he should be a guy who has the puck and distributes it quickly to somebody who is more adept at breaking down offensive systems. He's he's a guy who should be the secondary setup man, essentially. He's a complementary player with no line to complement. And when you have a player like that, that you're expecting to drive a line, it doesn't work. And that's been the issue for years now with the Montreal Canadiens. And I think, uh, I feel like a lot of times when we criticize players on the Montreal Canadiens, the answer, like the immediate response, and it's a very valid and legitimate response that we can have is, well, who were you going to put him with, mm-hmm. right? And and for the longest time as well, like there are players that excel really well together, and then you put them on any other line and it doesn't work. And for me, that's a red flag because you're catering to certain roles and you're not catering to an overall whether you want to call it system concept philosophy style of play whatever you want to talk about like if somebody fails in a specific role can you move them somewhere else and give them success 
And to me, like, I don't see a whole lot of that in the Canadians of the past few years. And I really hope that that kind of changes. Obviously, in an ideal world, you get the best player available at every position. That's not how life works. But I feel like, and and we talk about this a lot with Vegas, right? Like their their whole thing is the other way. You have to be a complete player. Like like your completeness matters more than your specific skill or your specific role. And you kind of end up in a situation where like now you're way over the cap and all you can do is interchange with with more and more expensive players. Like that, that that's essentially uh, what you're doing. So I feel with Jonathan Drewen, like the reason that, one of the reasons that he's also much maligned is that, like you said, he's a he's he's not good defensively, but even when he tries, like if he has nobody to support him in that, right? Like you can be a player who's not that great defensively, but if the other four players on the ice <laughs> or the other four skaters on the ice can kind of work within the system to 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 help you do that, I think it's not that big a deal. But like if if you want to create offense, you also need talent. So you can't have yeah. a talented guy playing with untalented guys or players that like don't have the same level of skill or play at the same speed as you. Like I think the difference in speed is a huge one. I thought that offensively when he was put with Christian Dvorak and, and Josh Anderson, it seemed to be the only thing clicking in like a really abysmal start to the season. Like they were the only, that was the only line scoring goals. Jonathan Durant for, for the first few games looked fine. He looked like, you know, there was a resurgence. People were talking about what a great story it was. But at the same time, like, what do you do? I'm going to ask the exact same question because fans want him traded. And I think it's really, really horrible that when, you know, like on his Instagram, on 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 the Canadians Facebook, on Canadian, like, like people just like, like absolutely being like horrific about him. Like, just stop doing that. If you don't like the player, just say you don't like the player. That's it. You don't need to go into like what a failure he is, why he's the, the reason that he's like, he's not what's wrong with this team. No. But there he he said that he's committed to coming back and playing if the Canadians will keep him and you know Kent Hughes might be like shopping him you don't know like if, if he gets good value for Jonathan Drouin I'm pretty sure he'll ship him off right what if that doesn't happen where do you put where do you put Jonathan Drouin on next year's Montreal Canadiens I think he starts the year with the Canadians just because it's tough to move a guy who has a reputation like Drouin who missed a bunch of last season right if Drouin had not been injured this season. I think that's the biggest issue that he had this year was that he got hurt, which is really unfortunate. His wrist that was surgically repaired already seemed to go awry on him this year. That's a big issue. You know, if that is going to continue to follow him around, but I look at Duran's play at the beginning of the year and you're right. I, I marked two specific things about Duran this year at the beginning of the year that were really impressive to me. Number one, he was taking the puck himself and driving the net. And that's something that we've never seen from him. His go-to play entering the zone. He's great at zone entries, but he would go in and do a little button hook up to the half boards and never go deeper than that. Cause it was almost like he didn't want to go into the corner and he couldn't ever find a teammate to find a pass into the middle. So that pass into the middle was not available to him for most of his career in, in Montreal. So this year he decided, well, I'm going to be the guy who goes in the middle. And then you have Christian Dvorak behind who can kind of crash the net and see if there's a rebound or Josh Anderson coming in as F3 to see if there's anything else there to like come in and support or if there's a pass available that he can shoot home. So they had some offensive chemistry at the beginning, even though that line was literally the worst defensive line in the entire league. Their defensive numbers were atrocious, we'll say. Uh but I, I I marked that, and also his back checking was much more efficient. His ability to win pucks in the defensive zone much more 
obvious. He was winning pucks along the board and starting things going the other way. He was the guy who was carrying the bag defensively for that line. The other two guys, more passengers. Now, that's not trying to crap on them. It's just the way that it was. Uh, but Druan, I think next year, they're going to put him in a situation where they, he can produce a lot of points and likely trade him at the deadline. It's, it's just the way, because his contract is expiring, it makes sense that they get some value for him. I would like to see the way that the Canadians are built in the future not be a situation where a guy as skilled as Druan can't survive, right? Yeah, right? Because you put Jonathan Druan on a good team, and I think he's a very good player, a very valuable player, a good complimentary player. On the Montreal Canadiens, where they valued all of that like grit and jam and pugnacity, testosterone that Brian Burke always <laughs> talked about, right? Truculence. Yes, all that. <laughs> It's like when you have Ben Sherratt and Dave Savard, David Savard and Joel Edmondson, who I think is the best of the three of them, but still limited. And, you know, Alex Romanoff, again, who doesn't have much offense to him. And you have your forward group is guys like Christian Dvorak, Brendan Gallagher, who can score, but don't create the kinds of cycle plays that a player like Drewen would fit into. It seemed like. Bergevin's answer to building a very one note team was to just acquire a guy who was very skilled and stick him in there and hope it worked. And it never worked. Like every time that he acquired a skill guy outside of Toffoli, it just didn't work because Toffoli is that like really cerebral smart player who attacks off the rush, which is what the Canadians have been good at over the last several years, really been the only way that they can score consistently. So they need players who can contribute offensively in more than just one way and obviously Duran he needs one way that they he's not very successful at uh, uh, doing the cycle thing in Montreal he needs a team around him that can operate in that way and the, the Canadians as of right now aren't that right and it's going to be a while before they get to a point where they're skilled yeah. enough to have a guy like Jonathan Duran come in and be an answer to questions right and so we're going to talk about now uh we're gonna move on to uh josh anderson in just one second i feel like andrew's about to break my heart is josh anderson actually bad is the question and that's coming up in just one moment but first it is summertime well it's spring right now but the weather is so warm outside it's beautiful you're probably going outside a lot you're going on your hikes uh you're you know like if you're like me you're going on long 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 walks and what do you do you need energy for all of that so check out built bar it is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. They've got 18 delicious flavors that are all high in protein to give you that energy. They're low in sugar and they're made with real chocolate and they're so delicious. And not only that, they often have these special rotation flavors. Like today it was a white chocolate birthday cake. You know, just check out build.com. You'll find out what is the uh, exciting, fun, new flavor of the day. And like I said, they're all delicious and you get your energy from them. You might want to use them as an on-the-go breakfast sometimes like we do before or after a workout. They're so, so useful and they're not like the protein bars that you're familiar with that have a terrible texture and terrible taste. These ones are truly delicious. If you want to check them out, go to built.com and enter locked15 to get 15% off your order. That's built.com, enter locked15 for 15% off your order. All right, so I feel like we've, like, we talked about Jonathan Drouin, but somehow that's not going to be the most controversial segment of this episode because, I mean, this has happened to us last season as well, even during the playoffs. 
Whenever we criticize Josh Anderson's play, people would get upset. Uh, people love Josh Anderson. I love John Josh Anderson. It is a joy to watch him barrel at the net, not score and crash into the boards. It's fun. He's gorgeous. Very accurate. He's gigantic. He's huge and fast and he's pretty. Uh, and he sometimes does score goals though. Uh, and, and he's just, he's fun to watch on the ice. I think that's something that people kind of miss, uh, with a team that's when, when the team's really bad is like watching the games isn't fun. And Josh Anderson always makes it fun. Now, Josh Anderson has a limited skill set, And I think that it's time that we come to terms with it. And I feel like Andrew, you're here to kind of, you know, give us that reality check. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I understand why people love Josh Anderson. The skill set, the frame, it's tantalizing, right? I think a lot of people around the NHL, if he were put up for an auction, would bid highly on Josh Anderson. They think he's <laughs> going to be like Tom Wilson or the next Chris Kreider. I, I remember somebody on the broadcast this year, say, like late in the year, saying that he could be the next Chris Kreider, you know, just pop out a 50-goal season out of nowhere. Well, Chris Kreider is a significantly better player than Josh Anderson and a successful goalie killer at that too. But Anderson, I feel like the intelligence on the ice is not very high. Like in just in terms of his uh, hockey IQ, which I know a lot of people hate that terminology, but his, his hockey sense is not that great. And you can see it when he plays with Caulfield and Suzuki, where he's just not quite able to anticipate plays like they can. And that's understandable. Most players won't be able to think the game on their level offensively. So sometimes he just kind of gets lost and sometimes getting lost helps him because the other team's like, okay, well, we'll just worry about Caulfield and Suzuki. And then they're like, oh, look, Josh Anderson's uncovered on the other side. We're just going to pass <laughs> to him and he'll score. And that's why I think next year I'd like to see them stick with that and see if that line can bring something more out of Anderson that we've seen so far, because overall, Last year, he was improved. Uh, he was a better player defensively at the end of the year. He was very decent with Caulfield and Suzuki, especially before the trade deadline when things kind of went downhill after they got rid of Lekkanen and that line had to play, play hard minutes again. But if you can get a situation where, say, the Canadians win the draft lottery tonight and Shane Wright is the only guy in the draft that is ready to play next year. And from what I've heard, he should be playing in the NHL next year, unless it's on a team like Phoenix or sorry, Arizona, where they just don't have the supporting cast to insulate him at all. Whereas the Canadians could bring Shane right in next year and play him behind Nick Suzuki and it'd be fine. So if you can build a third line, that's say, or a second line, sorry, that's Shane, Wright, Brendan Gallagher and Jonathan Duran say to start. So Duran brings some playmaking to that line. Shane Wright brings the cycle game and the defensive awareness. Gallagher brings defensive awareness, net front presence, bit of shooting. That sounds good. Then you can afford to bring Josh Anderson up onto that top line full time, which they couldn't really do last year just because of lack of depth. And then you've still got Chris, Christian Dvorak on the third line starting to sound like a bit of a decent team, right? So I'd like to see them try that with Josh Anderson. But at the same time, he just turned 28 a couple days ago. He's not going to change. Yeah, well, <laughs> he might get a little bit better, but the odds of him becoming a consistent offensive producer get lower and lower the like the further in we are. Like this is now the age when players start to decline a little bit. 
not rapidly, but it's like 28 to 30 is the end of prime years. So I don't see Josh Anderson as a core player to build around. What I did love about him this year, though, is I think he's shown a tremendous amount of leadership on this team, on a team that desperately needed it. Uh, his whole involvement in the Druin situation with mental health issues was really important, I think, for this team. He seems to be like a, a rock in terms of giving people confidence and being a good guy in the room. That's important. But, you know, how many times is he going to get close to 20 goals and not get it? <laughs> like, it's well, five to four times. Well, have a little bit of now. injury this year. Okay. Yes. So, well, I mean, yeah. that's the thing. The way he plays, he's going to get injured physical. a lot. Yeah. yeah, I understand. There's a, the one more thing. Like, he really gets on Leafs fans' nerves and sense yes, fans' nerves. They Which hate watching their teams play against this guy. And it's it's very much a situation, like, like you thought. Like, if the Canadians can put together two good top lines, then Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield won't always be facing the heavy minutes, the tough matchups. So then you can, like, kind of bring out the best in Josh Anderson. Maybe he will get to that 20-goal mark. I'm not going to, you know, no predictions here. But... I definitely, and, and this is all really funny because there's a chance that, you know, tomorrow while you're listening to this, we already know if the Canadians won the draft lottery or not. Uh, but, um, you know, assuming that they can, let's just say, assuming they can put together two competent lines, two competent, like your their top six is decent. It's competent. Then Josh Anderson becomes a beneficiary of that, I think. Yes, 100%. And having Suzuki and Caulfield grow defensively this year helps insulate him as well. And even if you're saying, even if the Canadians use Suzuki as their top matchup center next year, just by virtue of having a second line that can score, opposing teams will have to split up who they're matching against, right? So having that versatility will give more room to Josh Anderson, will give more room to Brendan Gallagher. I mean, Brendan Gallagher bouncing back next year, I think is pretty much a guarantee just based on his health. I think we're going to see 20-ish goals, 25 goals from Brendan Gallagher next year. I think there's a lot at the end of last season to be positive about with his game. But Josh Anderson, if he if he can be put in a spot where he's not expected to be a play driver, not really expected to carry the bag defensively, and is just kind of there to help the cycle and attack the front of the net, he can be a, a decent player. I just don't think he's a core player. And I know people love him. Just don't ever expect him to get 30 goals, right? Maybe he will one day. Crazier things have happened. Nobody would have predicted that Chris Kreider would score 50, right? It doesn't make any sense based on his history as a player. So maybe Anderson can gust up that much. But I think if you set the expectation at a healthy season, 20 to 22 goals, you'll be pleasantly surprised with Josh Anderson. But again, he's like a half point a game player, if that for his career. I think there's a lot of half half point a game players. And the difference with Josh Anderson is that he's both big and fast. And there are so yeah. few players that are like him in the league. So it kind of, just by virtue of like the scarcity of it, people kind of assign more value to him. I'm always going to enjoy watching him play. Like if he gets traded to a team, I don't like, I'm going to be very, very upset. Um, but you know, I, 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 it's just, it's, he's fun. He's fun. And, and that's something that, you know, at this point, that's something that we as, as fans can just kind of appreciate and enjoy. And much like most of the players on this team, if we don't assign too high of an expectation on them, 
we're gonna be they're gonna be fine um yeah. so i see him as like a more high-end rem pit like a very good bad team player exactly <laughs> So, Andrew, I'm going to thank you so much for joining me. Uh, We will be back tomorrow with Andrew and we'll be reacting to the lottery results. Maybe we'll do a bit of roster building. Um, And uh, and there'll be a Leafs game that we can react to, hopefully, uh, positively uh, on our end. Thank you so much, Andrew. Where can people find your work? Uh, They can find me at YouTube.com slash SDPN. That's the main source for all my work right now because uh, I've got Game Over Montreal, which is going to be live tonight with a live reaction to the lottery. Hopefully not stepping on your guys' toes too much. We'll be after for a reason. We're, okay. We're, we're, we're going live <laughs> shortly after so that the people can leave your stream and come to ours. Well, you're always welcome to come on mine and then we can go straight to yours. It'll be fun. We'll hop streams. And uh, other than that, uh, the Crosscheck NHL show on the Locked On Network. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much all you can find me right now. Awesome. Thank you so much. And if you want to find Andrew on Twitter, he's at Andrew Berkshire. If you want to find this show on Twitter, we are at LO underscore Canadians. Please send us emails at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can also leave us content ideas on YouTube. If you're nice, we will take your content ideas seriously. If you are not nice, we will delete your comment and pretend you don't exist. <laughs> In the meantime, my absent co-host Scott Mella can be found on Twitter at Scott Matla. And when you're done with this episode, please check out Locked On NHL, where I did a roundtable reacting to the live lottery results a little bit after they came out with a bunch of the hosts from the lottery teams. That's going to be fun. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.